Pastor Ed Taylor says, be careful who you spend time with. It will have an impact on your life. The way not to be seduced by Manasseh, by false teachings, by compromises, is to take a stand in the truth and don't give your ear to them. The Bible says, don't you know that evil company will corrupt good habits? It's not going to be the other way around. And who you spend, choose to spend your time with and who you choose to give your ear to will influence you. And if you're not hanging out with other believers, enjoying them, I don't believe exclusively, obviously. The Bible calls us very clearly to influence this world for the things of God. But listen, true fellowship is among believers. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Today on Abounding Grace, we'll recall a time when the people were seduced by a king to sacrifice their children on the altar of prosperity. While we shake our heads in disgust, we'll pause to reflect on the condition of our own nation as the very same thing is happening. Turn with us to 2 Kings chapter 21 as we hand things off to Pastor Ed Taylor. Come back to 2 Kings, it gets worse. Not only did he undo all the righteous things that his dad did, and went even farther to create all of these idols, how, how the nations did things, or what we would refer to today as this world system that is anti-God in all of its ways, not some of its ways, but all of its ways. A system that is, does not begin with God will not end with God, and neither will it cross the path of God along the way. You might want to jot that down just so you know. A system that does not begin with God will not end with God. And neither will it hit the mark of God along the way. Notice it gets worse, verse 6. And he also made his son pass through the fire, practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft, and consulted spiritists and mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. He even set a carved image of the Asherah that he had made in the house of which the Lord said to David and to Solomon, his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever, verse 8, and I will not make the feet of Israel wander any more from the land which I gave their fathers, only if they're careful to do according to all that I've commanded them and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. But they paid no attention, and Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. Let me just speak for a moment here. How is it that you avoid, and how is it that I avoid being seduced by someone like Manasseh? Because there are Manassehs all around us that are seeking to undo the work of God in your life. That, that in this system, we also have people which are the primary tool that undermine the work of God, the primary tool of temptation or other people. You know, sometimes we, we kind of get mad at people for that, but they're just tools. We need to be mad at the real enemy, the devil. And that we have that battle, the world, the flesh, and the devil. So how is it that we avoid being seduced 
by a compromising leader in our lives. And I'll make it very simple for you. Don't give them your ear. Don't give them your ear. As you have at times, and perhaps we all do at times, have these itching ears where we want someone to say to us or to do for us what we want, they would have never been seduced by Manasseh if they wouldn't have given him their ear. And I'm certain that it's possible in your life that you have given the wrong people your ear and you've allowed them to influence you and to convince you of something that's simply not true or not good for you. And we have to learn to have our ears only for the things of the Lord. Do you know, at the end of the time of a bondservant, when, he, when his time of service was over in ancient Israel, he could make the choice to stay with his master. It's a little contrary to what we would think, because we would think, you know, if we were in a place of servitude to a master, which most, most of those relationships were paying off a debt. And so they were paying off a debt through their service. And when they'd come to the end of their service, they were given the choice, freedom or to stay and continue to serve their master. Do you know, many of them so, were so connected to their master and were treated well in the sense of like what we would consider today modern day employment, that the end of their commitment, the end of their seven years, they would literally choose to stay with their master. And one of the ceremonies that would be done there is that they would take the ear of the servant and put it up against the doorpost of their house and take an awl and put it like an earring and they would stick it up against their ear against the wood and they would pound a hole through it and put a ring in it and it would signify that they are a willing servant. But what's interesting is, is that if you follow the logic upon that ear, that meant a piece of the ear stayed in the wood. It became a part of and a memory that you could say in a very real way, in order to stay with my kind master, I'm giving him my ear. He has been so good to me, so kind to me, so faithful. It started out in a difficult scenario, but now at the end, we have such a relationship that I'm committed to him. This is what God wants me to do in life. And so they would have the ear and you could say in a very real way, I give you my ear. And I want to signify that by this ring the rest of my life. That I'm no longer here because I have to be here. I'm here because I want to be here. Listen, church, that's the beauty of the grace of God. Nobody has made you follow God. There is no compelling power or force that's causing you to live for God. You can say that you also offered up your ear and you're giving your ear to the one who loves you, to the kind, faithful master who will take care of you who's committed for all of your needs to take care of everything. And what is your response? I'm going to serve you my life. I'm, I have dedicated my life to serving you. But along the way, there are those that want to take your ear. They want to influence you. Or like Manasseh, they want to seduce you. Because we're all, there isn't one among us that, that is, doesn't have a propensity to be tempted, to be carried away with lust, not just sexually, but for lust for things. You know, lust just, the generic word just simply means strong emotions, strong drawing. We usually, we usually refer to lust in the sexual realm, and that's true, but you know, you can lust about a lot of things. You can lust after power. You can lust after money. You can lust in your covetousness and your jealousy. It's a strong, fleshly, overwhelming emotion. And so the way not to be seduced by Manasseh, by false teachings, by compromises, is to take a stand in the truth and don't give your ear to them. The Bible says, don't you know 
that evil company will corrupt good habits. It's not going to be the other way around. And who you spend, choose to spend your time with and who you choose to give your ear to will influence you. And if you're not hanging out with other believers, enjoying them, I don't believe exclusively, obviously, the Bible calls us very clearly to influence this world for the things of God. But listen, true fellowship is among believers. And there's always a Manasseh out there to seduce us. And man, you think, that would never happen to me. I mean, look what he seduced them into. Witchcraft? Soothsaying? Spiritists? Mediums? But the worst of all is the very beginning of verse 6. He caused the children to pass through the fire. That's a foreign concept to us today. Many of you have never heard that phrase before, pass through the fire. Let me describe it to you in the least graphic way that I can. And then bring it into an example and an illustration in our own country, in our own world today. The god Molech was the god of prosperity and power and money. It had many different um, manifestations, but it basically was an idol with its arms outstretched like this. It was, an, it was an idol of stone that was hollow that they would fill with wood and things to cause a fire, and they would heat up Molech until it was red hot. And with Molech's arms outstretched, the god of prosperity and power, they would take their children and lay their children on the outstretched arms of this red-hot idol as a sacrifice to the god of prosperity. Which basically meant that they believed if they would sacrifice their child, their own flesh and blood, in a horrific, horrendous way, they would have to go against their base, creative, nurturing nature. Even a, you know, these are people that were supposedly following God, but under the leadership of Manasseh, no longer, they would offer their children to Molech. And it is a sickening thing to think. And according to Ezekiel, in the valley of Gehenna, the valley of Hinnom, the southeastern portion of the city of Jerusalem, the fires were continually burning, never going out. In other words, they were constantly burning their children in that valley, one after another, among the burning trash heaps. And the parents stood by worshiping Molech and Baal and Asherah, which was the goddess of sex. These things are the things that the pagans did. And the children of Israel now are following along the leadership of Manasseh. And this seals the fate of a society. You know, there's a progression among people. There's a, a steady progression. It, it, just like with any sin, it's a steady progression. And once the cycle is started, you know, I, I know that a lot of people listening right now, they, you make up your decisions based on the laws of the land. And for somehow that's conditioned us to, well, you know, if it's legal, then it must be okay because we voted in these people to make decisions for us and to set up the legal system for us so that if it's legal, it must be okay. But of course, for those of you that have been alive long enough, you have known and seen that the laws change depending on who has been voted in to make those decisions for us on behalf of our democratic society, laws change. And if you're allowed long enough and you just pay some close attention, 
many of the laws are tied directly to revenue streams for those that are in power. That's the way it's going to be until the end of the age. You'll find in the book of Revelation, you have of all the destruction, all the crazy, everything that's happening, people losing their lives, hailstones coming down. Uh, the judgment of God is happening on the world in the book of Revelation. There are still kings with oil and wine. You go, well, what's the big deal about oil and wine? Those are luxuries in the Bible. In the midst of the worst condition of the world ever, there are still some leaders that have oil and wine. And as you follow along, you know, men have never been really good rulers of men. You know that. We see it here even before the United States was ever born. You see that men lead at the best imperfectly, at the best. And at the worst, they seduce the very people of God to sin against a holy and a righteous God in the name of prosperity, Molech. You see, when you take a step in one direction, that's the direction you will go. If you take a step toward righteousness, you're going to head toward righteousness because the next step, we very rarely walk like this. You guys watching in are listening on the radio. I'm doing something really weird that I'm not making any progress. Nobody walks like this. You take one step in front of the other. And the direction that you walk is in the step that you took. Now, that's why God gives provision, as we've learned recently in our weekend studies. He's given provision for what? Repentance. And repentance looks like this. You take your steps in the wrong direction, and repentance means you go back the right way. Here, Manasseh has seduced a nation to sacrifice their children on the altar of prosperity. And it was the popular thing to do. What everyone was doing, including the nations around them. But just because you can, doesn't mean you should. How does, how does children passing through the fire equate to us today in the 21st century? There have been many, many children Sacrifice on the altar of prosperity just this year alone. There's a website if you want to see it for yourself. It's numbersofabortions.com. And it's a running, if you watch it, if you have it up on your computer, it clicks, clicks, clicks. And when I accessed it just a week ago, we learned an abortion is a popular form of birth control. It's not preventative though, it kills a baby. Since 1973, which is the famous Roe v. Wade case, 60,881,189 abortions took place. Now, understand something as we talk about the realities of the Bible and the realities of life. I know that there's a possibility that some of you listening to me, like whether it was you or your boyfriend or you were the boyfriend, experienced an abortion or were in a place in your life where you made a bad decision, and the Lord doesn't condemn you for that. It is a bad decision. That's what is stirring up the feelings in your life, and you've repented of it, and I know as well as you do that if you had a chance to go back, you wouldn't make that same decision. And so the Bible is in no way intending to bring back condemnation into your life. We're forgetting those things that are behind, pressing forward to that upward call of God in Christ Jesus. But at the same time, we can't ignore the reality 
I remember what a vulnerable place Marie and I were in as teenage kids that were pregnant and how in the yellow pages back then, we didn't have Google or smartphones. We pulled out the yellow pages and looked up free pregnancy tests. And it's not that we didn't have the money. It's that I spent the money on drugs and alcohol and I wasn't willing to pay for a, a real test. Uh, I was, if I could get it for free so I can use that money another way. And we drove down in a borrowed car with borrowed gas to this little clinic that we later found out was an abortion clinic. And there was enough Roman Catholicism in Marie at the time and enough Christian church in me that like of all of our options, that wasn't going to be it. And then I think back and I roll back the clock a little bit and I'm grateful that in the year that I was born, which was prior to 1973, that abortion was illegal because the conditions of my parents, my birth parents, you should say, of the very little information that was given to us in my adoption, uh, it would have been an option for them, no doubt, at the condition of their life as well. You see, prosperity and seduction will cause even the greatest of people to do the worst of things. And this isn't God's will. When I think of witchcraft and I think of soothsaying and I think of seeking mediums and spiritists and all the weirdness of the dark side of the world that I think of the sexual sin of the carved image of Asherah that was put into the church or you know in the common day into the temple but into the church can you imagine a church that celebrates the freedom of sexual sin the permissive will of God and yet it's sinful and encourages prosperity at the sake of holiness I can just say I'm not interested in the permissive will of God for my life. I've seen enough of it. I don't want to see it in your life or your marriages, among your children. We want the direct will of God for our lives. God knows better than we do. He knows what's best for us. I want to be walking in the spirit, not fulfilling the lusts of my flesh. I'm not interested in the permissive will. And by the way, a little bit of study on this, and we'll get to it more when we, when we get to Second Chronicles later, but commentators and biblical historians think it was Manasseh that had Isaiah sawn in two, the great prophet of God. What did Manasseh do with those that carried the word of God? He killed them. And you know sometimes how you're not received and not well respected because of your views? <laughs> You know how sometimes you get intimidated when something's happening in your family or you're at work and you know you should insert the word of God. You know that you know what to say, but man, you don't want to be sawed in two. It happens to the men and women that carry God's word into a conversation. They carry God's word into a situation. And even the fear of man can cause our mouths to be silenced. Prophets were not popular in those days even as those today with a prophetic gifting or the gift of exhortation or even just simply inserting the word of God will bring great heaviness to your life. And this is all from Manasseh. Notice back in verse 10 now. And the Lord spoke by his servants, the prophet saying, because Manasseh, king of Judah, has done these abominations, he has acted more wickedly than all the Amorites who were before him. He's also made Judah sin with his idols. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such calamity upon Jerusalem and Judah that whoever hears of it, both his ears will tingle. And I will stretch over Jerusalem the measuring line of Samaria with the plummet of the house of Ahab. And I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. 
So I will forsake the remnant of my inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies, and they shall become victims to plunder to all their enemies. And because they have done evil in my sight and have provoked me to anger since the day their fathers came out of Egypt, even to this day. Now, with, in this time period, God sent Isaiah, he sent Hosea, he sent Joel, Nahum, and Habakkuk. These are all books of the Bible, prophets of God. These were all sent to the king to warn him to repentance, and he didn't listen. So God speaks plainly his final words of judgment, and they still chose not to listen. However, in 2 Chronicles chapter 33, after Babylon came and took Judah captive, 2 Chronicles 33 tells us that Manasseh, as wicked and evil as he was, did repent. <laughs> Isn't that great news? It's, it's horrific of the things that he did. And yet, as horrific as the things, God still saves the most horrific situations. No one is outside the grace of God. As a matter of fact, Manasseh was even restored to his kingdom where finally he destroyed idolatry and restored true worship. But the pain in so many lives and throughout the country continued to last. Verse 17 or 16. Moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another besides his sin which he made Judah sin in doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and all that he did and the sin he committed, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? Manasseh rested with his fathers and was buried in the garden of his own house, in the garden of Uzzah. Then his son Amnon, Ammon reigned in his place. Ammon was 22 years old, verse 19, when he became king. He reigned two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Meshulameth and the daughter of Haraz of Jotbah. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. And he walked in all the ways that his father had walked, and he served the idols that his father had served and worshipped them. He forsook the Lord God of his fathers and did not walk in the way of the Lord. And the servants of Ammon conspired against him and killed the king in his own house. But the people of the land executed all those who had conspired against King Ammon, and the people of the land made his son Josiah king in his place. Now the rest of the acts of Ammon, which he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And he was buried in his tomb in the garden of Uzzah, and Josiah, his son, reigned in his place. So Ammon reigns in a place, chooses not to learn from his dad's mistakes, chooses not to, to walk in the repented ways of his dad. He does evil in the sight of the Lord, only does, reigns two years, but does great damage even in just two years, dying at the hand of the conspiracy as we've seen in previous, with previous kings which will lead us to yet another good king by the name of Josiah. So much to learn, isn't there? So much to grow in our walk with Jesus. It's just better to abide in Christ, drawing all of our wisdom and our resources from Jesus himself, celebrating that God dwells in us. You know, it's one of the things we do when we worship and sing songs to God. We celebrate the indwelling of God in our lives, the very presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you may not have Jesus Christ in, as a part of your lives, some of you may not have repented of your sins. Well, today is the day. Now is the time. God is inviting you to himself by the very precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ, that's been provided to you for the forgiveness of your sins, that the banner over your life does not have to be he or she did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not choose to follow the Lord, but rather by your own volition, your own choice, you can choose to follow God and submit your life to him. It's never too late. No matter what age you might be or what the condition, you might be as bad as Manasseh and yet you still can repent and come to know the Lord in a very special, wonderful way. It's never, ever too late. 
to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. What a good reminder that no matter what we may have done in the past, God can forgive us. This is Abounding Grace, and Pastor Ed Taylor is leading a study of Second Kings right now. You can hear these radio programs on our website anytime at AboundingGraceRadio.com or look for us wherever you get your podcasts. Another way to go and grow in the Word is by downloading our app. Search for Ed Taylor. This is a great way for you to take in the Word of God wherever you might be. Our pick of the month is an excellent little devotional by E.M. Bounds on the power of prayer. Start your day reading these one-minute devotions, or it could make great lunchtime reading in your office break room. Give your prayer life a needed boost as you read the power of prayer. One-minute devotions. Request a copy today when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Call 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryco.store. And here at Abounding Grace, we look to the Lord to provide for us. If He's leading you to take an active role in this ministry through either a one-time gift or ongoing monthly support, please visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. And be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the book of 2 Kings. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.